0: Greetings everyone, my name is April Jones and I'm the founder of the Birth to Life Early Care Institute. So today I have a very exciting topic this is entitled the pre-k survival guide this is geared towards anyone that is an educator anyone that happens to possibly be an administrator pre-k director i feel as though this would be very very useful information for you and have some golden nuggets in there so i was a pre-k teacher close to nine years i taught in a lottery funded pre-k program In Georgia actually and I had some really really amazing years I had some very challenging years (laughs) thrown in there as well I mean as educators you know it's the hardest job on the planet but for the most part I really enjoyed myself I taught from a play-based approach so a lot of the children Our program was geared towards children like learning through technical materials, hands-on project, project project-based learning, no worksheets at all, no skill and drill, no skill and kill, all of that, that was thrown out the window. And that's where I learned that, you know, children can learn this way, have strong cognitive skills, and be successful, basically. (laughs) Be successful. I still follow some of my children that I taught many years ago. I think a couple of them have graduated high school even or about to graduate high school so that goes to show you how long i've been in it um as well but yeah i love pre-k i love pre-k children i think it's a wonderful age group so this is for children that are older preschoolers they're young fours turning five four and a half all of that good stuff okay so let's talk about the pre-k survival guide. and don't don't forget don't forget To share this with a new educator, especially share this one with someone that is a seasoned educator, veteran educator, pre-K director, whoever, share it. Share this information with someone because we really have educators out there that really need some guidance and help. Um, I have also mentored educators over the years and that's something that I just love doing. I didn't know that I really loved it, I was kind of forced into doing it. <laughs> um, one year at a particular child care center, I was kind of forced to like mentor some teachers that were new and having some struggles and stuff. And at first I didn't want to do it because I'm like, okay, I was basically a mentor teacher and I wasn't getting paid to be a mentor teacher. But I noticed that I had a gift inside of me. So I really, really love sharing resources and information with people. And so if you are in an outdoor preschool program, pre K program, public school, um, private, you know, any really any type of pre K program, I believe that this podcast is going to really, really, really be great for you. Okay. So, number one, this is what I learned. I I learned so many different things, but this is what I especially learned about pre-K. So, after your parents have attended the the orientation, all that good stuff, you have your children, right? Your children are in your classroom, and they're learning the classroom environment, which is really, really big. They're learning. they are taking all of these cues and signals and all this kind of stuff. Just know... Learning the classroom environment entails learning the learning centers, all that, the transitions and the routines. It's going to take anywhere, anywhere from six to eight weeks. I repeat, it's going to take anywhere for them to understand all of this new information and all of this stuff that's thrown at them six to eight weeks. Even if you say, okay, I'm a veteran educator and they learned it before, that's fine. But some of these foundational skills, a lot of times we miss certain things when we are teaching children. Some children have never experienced working with scissors. Some children have never experienced a routine before or a transition before because it is different from their previous classrooms. Maybe they're coming from programs that are strongly teacher directed, but pre-K is not necessarily all about teacher-directed activities and teacher-directed learning. It's not. Um, I feel like the appropriate ones is is not. So just know it takes anywhere from six to eight weeks. And I'm just going to throw out a couple of examples right here. So when I had, at first, when I was a new teacher in pre-K, I felt like, okay, this is the room with a million pieces. This is the room with a million tiny pieces. And it would just burn me up sometimes because I'm like, I felt like the children would make such a huge mess and it would take forever to clean up. And then we had the sensory table, we had sand, we had all kinds of stuff, you know, out. And we were the teachers that, you know, materials were accessible. We didn't say, oh, you can't play with this, or you can't play with that. Um, throughout my years in pre-K, down the pipeline, they did say like, okay, you know, in the first beginning your first week or something, don't open up all the centers. You know, have the children to kind of really get to know what's in the in the environment. So some of the examples were, okay, you know, on Monday, you're going to open the art center, the block center, and the music center. And then on Tuesday, you will open the, you know, writing center, the math center, the science center, or the sensory center, or something like that. It would rotate or you would do it every couple days and that was very very helpful and then we put out some materials that okay the first week this is the children they're going to get acquainted with that then the second week we'll put these materials out and so i found that format and that approach to be very very helpful so these are some of the things that i did over the years these are some tips that you could possibly take in You know, I understand that every state is different. Every program is different. But however, this is some of the things that I've done. So, of course, you know, I would label the material so I made sure that I had some type of picture to match that material on the cubby um, or or the, the shelf that wherever that was stationed. I had that, I've done that before. Um, Another year I color coded the center. So, you know, my art center was red, my writing center was green, you know, my block center was blue. And basically with the blocks, I did not um, have all the blocks colored blue. I would just put like a blue strip down. And then one year I used contact paper. So I, you know, cut out the shape of the block. And I put the contact paper down and I put like, okay, they know that the rectangle go here, the rectangle blocks go here, the hollow blocks go here and stuff like that. That was very, very helpful. So color coding, um, using contact paper to put down where the materials go. Another thing that I did was also, I had classroom jobs and then um, over the years, in the beginning of the school year, I would give, like, everybody their own classroom job. But as I became a seasoned teacher, I noticed, like, you know what? Everybody don't necessarily have to have a different classroom job. So what I started to do is I had learning center managers. And what I would do is have, like, six learning center managers. So I'm like, okay, so you will be over this center, this center, this center. And then I might have five people, you know, to do... three people to do um, the floor cleaning things like that I started to do it that way so um, I had like maybe five or four classroom jobs and then everybody had a job and I had their picture that was another thing that I did I had their picture so I'm like okay we'll go over in morning circle like okay my center managers here is your picture these are the people that I'm gonna use and stuff like that so I did that Um, another thing that I would do is for morning circle i had like this led light and it was very very useful and so you know before i started my morning circle time i would turn on my light and i also let parents know like hey when you see my morning circle light or when you see that i have turned this light on that means that we are ready to start that means that Their hands need to be washed when they entered in the class. Already washed, hands already washed. Everything has already been put up. You've already said your goodbyes. It's time for us to get started. Um, One year, I also kinda had like another large group activity after learning center time or something like that. Remember, it's been nine, I was a pre-K teacher for nine years and I did not keep the same schedule every single year, I did change it up. Um, So, you know, cues cues are very important and signals are very important because it really really helps children so before we got after we got um finished with the children you know playing and having a good time and all that kind of stuff before i, I did the cleanup song we would cut off the light i would have somebody to cut off the light and when the light cut off the, all the children would say five more minutes every child would say that Number one, that kind of gives children that struggle with transitioning to another activity some time and in, in, in a signal to let them know, like, okay, I have five minutes, so let me enjoy myself because, you know, you know, like sometimes, you know, there are pre K children that will have like a meltdown, you know, if they transition a little too quickly. Then after that, we would play the cleanup song and the children will clean up and, you know, And then, you know, I might go ahead and have the children transition to my um, large group time. That I had one year so I'm teaching or I'm doing something with the large group time and then I might have the other teacher kind of stand behind and the learning center managers are like overseeing the areas okay so those are some of the examples that I have laid out you know for you so just remember transitions routines it can take anywhere to six to eight weeks you know I would have small groups just having children to learn how to put some glue on a paper I did that because you know what? You know, sometimes you know they're new to small group, and you give them this activity, and glue is just spilling everywhere. That's their very first time; they don't really understand the purpose of it. They never explore with the material, so I would have activities like that. You know, them knowing the purpose of a magnifying glass and and having activities like that for small group or things like that. So really think about those concepts and and how they can be broken down. Okay. Another thing that I don't want to leave out is don't forget to add the element of fun. Have fun with those children. (laughs) Play hide and go seek in the classroom. Have a dance party. Do something silly. Use your puppets. You know, if you're trying to get children to transition, use a silly voice. Use puppets. Have them to engage instead of them... Walking in a line, let them move like tigers. Make let them, you know, um, have exaggerated voices. Don't forget to have the element of fun. This is pre-K. They they will never have a pre-K experience again. You are a pre-K teacher. That's the benefit of it. You know that you're in a play-based program. You're having fun. Yes, teachers, don't forget to have some fun. You know, if it's stressful, have a brain break, have a dance, like we about to have a dance. Hey, let's have a dance. Let's, you know, let's take turns mimicking each other's dances. Have fun with it, okay? Now, I know that some people struggle with parent participation. And I wanna say that I've really never struggled as an educator with parent participation because I've understood that it's gonna look different for everybody you know, parents can still participate if they're not able to physically come into the center and be there. And I'm going to give you some examples of that. Number one, if you're trying to capture the attention and letting parents know about different things, if you feel like they're not paying attention to your weekly emails or newsletters or monthly newsletters or, letters or whatever you're trying to do, which I strongly encourage you to do, add a different element to it, okay? So number one, Think about doing a voice recording. Thinking about, yeah, think about like doing a voice recording instead of them just reading an email and then you want to give them like a project or assignment or a task or some, for something for them to participate, do a voice recording. I started to do that and I noticed that the participation of parents really went up because they would say, oh, I didn't get this information. I didn't know about that. I'm like, okay, I put it in the newsletter. I emailed you weekly. I sent something home and put it in the, in the book bag. I don't understand why you did not get it but when i started to do voice recordings and adding those elements to my newsletters my weekly emails it changed the game. people became more active into participating another thing too is like now is technology so we have qr codes encourage your parents like hey you know i'm i'm going to give you a link to a qr code and if you want to read a story and we bring in the book and we can just listen to you reading the story, that's another way for them to participate. That's a cool actual way. Um, before the QR code whole thing was big, before that started, I would have parents do that. I'm like, you know, send me a video, send me a recording, bring in the book, and we will listen to you reading the book. Because, you know, the children be like, oh, my parent couldn't come. They had to work, da 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 That's another way to get them to volunteering. How like the ones that are? highlight the ones that are parents can. I count volunteerism as parents bringing things in, you know, possibly us listening to them read a story, um, as well bringing any resources, participating in projects. I, I count all of that as volunteerism because they are being an active participant in their child's education. A lot of times as educators, you know, one thing that I have discovered is that you have to also... Be the parent's teacher. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's what I discovered along the way. You have to be the parent's teacher and you have to be the parent's guide as well. Um, So a lot of times they honestly just don't know what to do. And you are teaching them how to advocate for their own child. So that is another great element about being a pre-K teacher. All right. Um, Another part of that is you can, you know, have take on projects and stuff like that and bring it back. And that can be participation. But hopefully those are some great examples of what you can do. All right, let's talk about advocacy, advocacy. So I've talked about the children a lot and I've talked about educators as well, but I want to talk about advocacy for yourself because I do understand that the wellness and how you advocate for yourself it's a love language that you need for yourself to survive this, okay? To survive your pre-K year, to survive your education journey as a teacher. All right, advocate. This is what I'm going to say. <laughs> this is what I'm gonna say. I had to take a deep breath for a little bit, but when you are teaching in a program, and this might not sound like advocacy, but it's important that you are aware and you're knowledgeable about the program that you're teaching. I say that because, you know, I was teaching in a lot of and one of the directors tried to get me to do after school And I didn't want to do after school, number one, anymore. And number two, I realized and I found out I'm not supposed to be doing after school. You know, a lot of times um, if you are in like a grantee program or grant funded program and you're paid that way, that's the only thing they want you to do. That's the only thing. They don't want you to be driving the bus, watching after school, planning for summer camp. Some teacher in the toddler room called out using the assistant to go in the room, working in the kitchen? No. No, 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 no. Okay? No, 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 no. No, no. So, I decided to read that information for myself and I went to the director about it. And I'm like, actually, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Was it awkward? Yes. Were they upset? Yes. Um, Were they mad? Yes. You know, so... Yeah, know the information for yourself because that's a form of advocacy. Now, say for instance, you know, I understand that we can be put in very tough tough positions and I know that there are people out there that will retaliate. It's just some people that it's just human nature. Some people are just not professional enough and they're going to retaliate. NACI, I encourage everyone that's an educator, especially in a childcare setting, especially in a daycare setting or wherever, that you get some professional protection for yourself. NACI membership, they put something out about NACI's um, membership insurance program. It's a professional liability program, meaning that whether you are a... Whether you, whether you are an educator, if you're teaching virtually, in person, or anything like that, that you will be protected. It's the afford, Affordable Care um, Insurance Program. Look into that and get you some protection, okay? Because we understand that people... There are... Oh, my goodness. There are... Um, All different types of people, all different types of principals, (laughs) parents, co-workers. You really don't know people. You really don't. And all different types of situations occur and you need some protection, okay? So look into that and I am going to put that in there because I I was like, oh man, yeah, I should have been had something like this um, a long time ago. Now, another tip that I wanna say is that even if you are in a sticky situation, email. Document and email. Email, email, email. You know, you brought this to my attention, but I thought about it and I felt uncomfortable. This is actually what happened. Um, I just wanna let you know that, you know, I'm concerned about the, how this parent is approaching me. What should I do? email 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 you need to have a paper trail you need to have a paper trail if it's a very sticky situation I will even take a step further and say um, BCC someone from the Labor Department BCC your consultant BCC if you have a Department of Early Care Learning put it in there you need a paper trail and so if anything happens if you think you're going to get fired or anything like that you have a paper trail like hey this is what actually happened this is you know all i'm telling you that's why a lot of people honestly um leave the industry sometimes they because it's, it's too much situations and they don't feel protected but i'm telling you here's some ways that you can go about protecting yourself one thing about me is that even though i didn't necessarily have like this professional liability program and i didn't know about all this before i will email them. <laughs> and i will read things and i will print out things and stuff just to hey you have to look out for your you have to look out for you you have to advocate for you as a professional. No, so the last end of my podcast, I want to talk about, and if you have heard my phone going off a little bit, I'm, I apologize for that. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is wellness for yourself, wellness for yourself, wellness for yourself. You cannot be effective. You cannot do a great job You, if you do not have some type of wellness program and protocol for yourself. One of the things I learned, and I kind of learned it later in my journey, so towards the end of me, because um, I did transition out of teaching, I was a teacher for a, a total of 16 years, and then after that, I became an administrator, contractor, and now I have my own business, um, all of that stuff, but I want to say that um, it is important that you not only advocate for yourself, but advocate for yourself in having wellness for yourself, okay? You have to learn to tell people, no, no, I cannot stay late. (laughs) No, I cannot take this home. I will not take this home. What I discovered towards my... I think year 16, 17, because, uh, you know, when I went to a particular child care um, school, I did not do anything from home anymore. I just, honestly, I did not even have the bandwidth to sit at a computer and do notes and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, y'all have to figure it out. You know, I I need planning time or I need somebody to come in so I can step out or something. Like, I didn't have the bandwidth. I wish I had learned those boundaries early on because at the end of the day, I didn't get paid overtime. A lot of people didn't even acknowledge that I was doing all of that work behind the scenes or at home and all of that kind of stuff. I just because I'm like, oh, you know, this has to be done. At the end of the day, is never everything is never going to get done. <laughs> I just I just hate to put it to you like that, but you're never going to get all of that stuff done because you know, you are an educator and you know it might this might ruffle uh some feathers or whatever but it's it's okay but you're an educator you're not the quote unquote you're not just going to be the savior of of the world so to speak and some stuff you have to say like is this even necessary to do can i reinvent some of these materials can i change something or whatever but yeah say no no you i'm telling you that will make you last a little bit more don't if you have a family school or whatever or any interest you know don't let any job or anything take that from you they paid you they said that you know these are the hours that you work this is what you're responsible for and all that kind of stuff and they're not going to pay you overtime and if you want to discuss me get paid overtime then that's another type of conversation or if you feel like if more stuff need to be done maybe I can be a contractor I don't know. But I cannot do this at home, and I'm not going to do this over the weekend all the time. Not going to happen. I'm not doing it every weekend. So I want to say don't do anything from home. Meal prep. Meal prep. You know, make some sandwiches for Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Make some quesadillas and Friday have, you know, a chicken salad, I don't know, you know, but try to meal prep in between because you are gonna be busy and you are gonna be tired. So I wanna say educators, drink plenty of water, get you some airborne, get you some vitamin C. Soon as you get in the house, wash off those germs, (laughs) change your clothes out um, to get you healthy and motivated. Go to bed, go to bed go to bed you know you're doing the best that you could possibly do for these children you have to tell yourself I gave it my very best today I impacted somebody's life positively you know I'm I'm doing a great job you have to tell yourself that I remember one year I've had some great bosses but one year I had a um (sighs) oh I had like a very unprofessional boss very unprofessional boss. and this was years ago but very unprofessional case in point that's why i left <laughs> you know um and i wish i would have gave myself more affirmations during that time um i do realize that sometimes people are just the way they are because they're bitter they're angry and it has nothing to do with you it don't have anything to do with you but if you are working as a co-teaching team Be there for one, be there for one another, be each other's answers, you know. Um, Sometimes it's hard for certain educators because some people go into teaching and they don't want to do it. And I, for the life of me, I don't understand those people because I'm like, the whole world is short staffed, so you can do something else. (laughs) But if you are going to be with the children, enjoy it as much as possible. I know that there's children in the child care centers that have extreme learning behaviors and... Woo! All kinds of situations. But just do the very best that you can do. Go on there with a smile, have some fun with those children. I'm telling you, this is going to be a great year for you. You have to tell yourself, this is going to be an awesome year for me. You know, my last year teaching, I just told myself all year, this is going to be my best year. I have to end on this year because this is going to be my best year. And even if you have a challenge year, just know that you did your best. You did your best. You know, the whole summer, they probably didn't do any. Uh, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. You know, some children just watch TV or some children just, I don't know. Who knows what some of these kids are getting into and doing at home. But just know that the small groups that you're planning, the conversations during mealtime, the morning circles, the project-based learning, just alone, just having them to establish routines and clean up cleaning up and all those, those are very vital, important skills. You know, if we don't have it as adults, we fall apart. <laughs> you know, some people are not successful on jobs because of they can't get they can't get there on time. You know, you're teaching all of these important health self-help skills and different things that's gonna help them through a lifetime. So tell yourself, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm showing up for these children. They are learning. They are growing. They are thriving. And so am I. You know, even if you have to play this last little bit of the podcast and just play it and listen to it to yourself, hey, hey, do it. So share this with a pre-K educator. Share this with a preschool educator. Share this with someone that just got into education you know they need support they need help you know they're tired there's no tired like new school year teacher tired i know that for a fact (laughs) there's no tired like new school new school year teacher tired but however Throughout the years, when I became more seasoned, then it wasn't as as bad. You know, I kind of had my routines and all that kind of stuff, but share it with people, okay? Share this with them so you all can thrive. We need to be there for each other. All right. Bye-bye.